0: behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we
1: intend to find it.
0: Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, guys. Welcome back to episode two, chapter four of nutrition of this conscious warrior system. Um, I guess you can say framework that we're we're, we're putting out to the universe today finally um and it's been really cool so if you guys haven't if you guys didn't listen to episode one please head back and listen to that we deep dived into the idea of the mix and confusion of nutrition we also talked about the idea of being the human first and then focusing on performance second we then talked a lot about the ideas between emotional base eating and logic or not logic i'm sorry longevity based eating which is logically based eating kind of those two that way understanding that macronutrients and micronutrients and how they actually affect us from an energy standpoint, as well as the differences in which we need to go ahead and understand how we react and respond to those macronutrients and macronutrients, micronutrients, and then understanding exactly what metabolic flexibility is and how we should be able to have that metabolic flexibility to keep us resistance against diseases, sicknesses, and give us the highest performance and potential possible. We also kind of deep dive a little bit into hydration, and I'm going to let Matt talk a bit more about that in this episode. But Let's go ahead and open this one up. You know, when we come ahead and talk about these shows, you know, episode two is always is always going to be how is it relevant to the Tattoo community? How do we look at food and how do we look at nutrition in terms of is it gonna be the best bang for our buck? Because again, when we come down to it, the culture of eating the tattoo community is really non existent if you think about it. Most people don't look at food in that way. They just look at it in terms of I need to eat because I'm doing X, Y, and Z but when we start looking at food in a very logical based manner we then start seeing a lot of different things in a positive way change for example for example sleep starts to become better heart health increases cns management only becomes that much better we go ahead and now able to manage r- r- stress from our occupation we start seeing our emotional standpoint our psychological state actually increase due to the fact of actually putting in the right amount of food we're putting in the right energy and we're not putting in non-living types of food and going from this just process standpoint and like in the last show i talked about the normal diet for the tactical community is usually a red bull or a monster with a dip and some kind of stickers bar or burrito like that's really realistically true i know i lived on that diet for a while did it fuel me yeah, it gave me food. I needed those calories, but did it give me the nutrients that I needed over time? Probably not. So I think that's what we end up seeing over time and we start seeing these sicknesses and diseases start happening and we start seeing, you know, when you start seeing them look super unhealthy, it's because they're malnourished, meaning that they're eating food still, but the nutrients from that food are realistically nothing and our body can't absorb it and we just shit it out and we just go on living our day.
1: Yeah um i i think that kind of brings up a great point really like in and we've talked about this in when we've discussed other pillars of of the conscious warrior system in that particularly i think from the outside like in the media the tactical community so whether you're looking at military or law enforcement firefighter whatever is is kind of always portrayed as being like super healthy super fit like guys and girls are really jacked everybody's got a tan like everybody everybody's kind of um, like right at the tip of the spear, but actually we, we know from kind of the, um, like the epidemiological, like the, like the stats that it's a, the, the tax community is a pretty good cross-section of society as a whole. So we have those people that are like super high performing and, and, uh, like really healthy. And then equally we have the people that are at the other end of the spectrum who are kind of struggling with, with sort of weight loss and, and, and just generally being healthy. Um, and I think with, with again, with any of these pillars, it's really important to kind of address that that kind of health end of the spectrum first. So if we can put out the fires there, then that allows us to build the, the kind of the foundation and, and push people back up towards the, kind of towards that, uh, the peak of that pyramid really. Um, and I think what what doesn't help, particularly within our community, as exactly as George was describing from when he was like an instructor at the at the school, because of the nature of our roles, like the hypervigilance, the, the kind of the, the shift work, um, and, and I guess kind of culturally as well, often eating and nutrition is a bit of an afterthought. It's something that you like, um, you, you kind of have to do to keep yourself moving rather than like a, a kind of a planned part of your day, like maybe physical training would be. Yeah. Um, I, and I mean, yeah, I was just going to kind of hand the hand the baton off to to you, really, George, because I know you've got like direct insight into both from the the staff side of things, yeah, but also the student side of things when you were when well, you were kind of and, and the school. that's the
0: idea. Like when I look at it from the tactical professional standpoint, when I put myself back in those shoes, right? We were kind of working from a deficit from the start, meaning that when you get sent to boot camp. And I'm pretty sure everyone could say, it. oh, yeah, I was a fat body, so they made me have less food. Or I was a super skinny, so they gave me more food, right? Like I was just – what do they – I forgot. It was like something in the rat or something like that. I forgot the name of it. Someone can go ahead and laugh. And But you <laughs> had that. And then if you weren't a fat body, if you weren't too skinny, you just got your normal amount of food. But if you're a skinny body, you got a fuck ton of volume of food. And if you're a big body, you ended up getting very minimal volume of food. When 100% anyway. – I that sorry that wasn't that
1: wasn't uh, like for my I, I appreciate that my basic training probably wasn't quite the same as your basic training, but that definitely was. not uh, yeah. Like, was that based on like the med like the medical team? Did they? Was it that was BMI just how, because how of how BMI. They that out?
0: Literally, like the military's BMI height okay. weight standards, you know, is what they went off of. So, if you went into boot camp at a certain weight, they wanted you to leave a certain weight. And the, if you came in too small, they wanted you to go ahead and leave a certain weight. Both sides of the spectrum. Wow. So I think already off the bat, a lot of us come into the into the tactical community, especially going through a school phase as a student, already with the negative persona of what nutrition is, meaning like, oh, if I'm too heavy, I have to eat less. If I'm too small, I have to eat more. If I'm in the middle, I realistically just get a normal portion of food. And if I go up for seconds, I look like a, I, I look like a fat ass. If I don't take seconds or I don't eat everything in my food, then I'm not going to be able to perform as I want to. Now, did some classes and some you know some schools allow for you to go get seconds because they understood the idea of volume of food and the output of energy you need to put input of, of more food for energy? 100%. So we're already kind of coming in a deficit from that standpoint. And then when they start throwing you bag nasties, and I know everyone's probably going to laugh, bag nasties. You ever heard of a bag nasty before?
1: I think we have the equivalent. So it's, so it's, a, it's, it's either cool an out.
0: apple and orange <laughs> with a sometimes a piece of cheese or and with the milk and and a bag of Doritos, or Lay Lay chips, or Fritos or Cheetos with a submarine sandwich that is about four inches long and two inches thick, um, with maybe a piece of ham and a slice of cheese with mayonnaise and mustard in it.
1: <laughs> wow! Nice. so we have that
0: (laughs) and then you also have MREs right meals ready to eat and again when you go ahead and look at both of those types of pretty much meals that they're going to give you there's not really much real nutrients in it at all there's not much volume in it at all when we go ahead and go to the MRE though the MRE is full of full of volume is the nutrients really high Mm, they say it is but ultimately it's just one of those things that It's just packed with calories and whatever you want to call it to go ahead and just give you that volume to perform because that's what you need. Now, does your body have the ability to break it down over time? No, it sits in your gut, and that's why a lot of people either will have, uh, you know, stool problems or GI stress during it. And that's, again, you know, we, we, we we are hindering our own ability to perform because of the fact that we are set up for, you know, we're not even set up for success coming out of a school phase and then going into operational aspects. And I think that's the idea here is how do we go ahead and look at it from a relative standpoint in terms of eating at a military training event, right? During a school phase, eating while in a op, or even when your shift patterns changes. And how do we go ahead and look at that? And I think the idea comes down to understanding that eating needs to become a, a pattern in which is a healthy habit. Right, so, like you said here, you know when we talked about it, when we go ahead and look at people who are working night shifts, their eating habits shouldn't change. It should go ahead and just blend in with their nighttime routine now, meaning, if you're working from you know ten to six in the morning, right, and you're waking up at five p m every afternoon and you're going to bed every day at nine and you're getting your sleep, well when you wake up at five, guess what your meal should be it's a it's it's It doesn't have to be viewed as breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and I think that's the problem, right. I think it needs to be looked at, okay, cool, it's 5 o'clock, I work tonight at 10, I need to get fuel in. Oh, because I'm going to go train right now or I'm going to train later on, I need to go ahead and fuel. Now, someone's shift now goes from a nighttime shift, we go to a daytime shift, well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go ahead and just move your training, your eating around, all that stuff. So now I'm, I'm sleeping from 10 to 6, I now am at work from 9 till 5, that means I get to eat during the day now, a normal eating habit. Right, And again, what's a normal eating habit? It's not the fact that it's different shift patterns or different. No, it's you having the understanding and the healthy relationship with eating your food that needs to go ahead and fuel you for whatever your outcome is going to be. So that's a big thing. And another big thing, too, when we look at eating while eating on a during like ops, you know, when it comes to the tactical community, sometimes you're not able to eat. And you have to be okay with going a few hours without having food in your system. And you have to understand and to know what that feels like to be able to still operate. And how do I go ahead and know, for example, you know, let's use an individual who's on a SWAT team. And they get called to go ahead and work on a, on a standoff, right? And they're there for six hours, they only planned to be there for three hours. They didn't bring food. They only brought a little bit of water or whatever else. Now they're there for six hours. Now they're in a standoff. Then all of a sudden, now other people are start bringing in donuts, start bringing in other food because it's in the it's in the talk or the rock or wherever the the operation center is at. You go and eat that in that in that moment of that six hours. We're gonna have to eat that. Because that's the only thing there. I'm not gonna say I can't eat right now. No, it's like, I kind of need the sugar to sit here because I'm gonna be psychologically on and I need to go focus on it. Now, is that the best food we can eat in that moment? Probably not, but that's the only thing around in that moment. And I think that's where you have to understand. It's like, hey, when you're eating during these missions missions, and when you're on like these types of calls and you're doing X, Y, and Z, you have to be okay with just eating whatever's in front of you, but having the ability and the capability to end the discipline when you come back from these missions, when you come back from these school phases, when you get back from these shift states or whatever you want to look at it, you have the ability to go ahead and look at your food in a healthy manner where you're like, okay, I ate like shit the past week because i had to. How do i fix that? Oh, well, i have control of what goes in my mouth. <laughs> I have control of what i put on my plate. Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and look at it from that standpoint. I'm not trying to tell people not to eat, you know, the burritos, drink the monsters, or whatever else. Like, do whatever you want to do. Like, it's cool. Just understand that there is repercussions and consequences to that over time. But if we can have a happy balance of understanding, okay, cool, for the past week, I took down some monsters. I drank more coffee than I should have. I probably put more dip in than I needed. I ate MREs like crazy. And I ate, you know, when we got back, we crushed some pizzas and burgers and beers with my buddies after our, our patrolling, you know, op. Cool, what should I do the next week? I maybe want, and I have a light week. I may, might want to focus on eating a little bit cleaner. You know, and I think that's the idea here when we go ahead and look at how is it relevant to the tactical athlete is like look at food as energy and understand that at times you might not be able to get the highest quality and highest energy and the highest nutrients possible, but you have the ability and the capability and you need to build a discipline to go ahead and when you come back from these school phases, these ops and, and whatever shifts you work, you then can go ahead and cook the healthier food. It's something that I work with athletes all the time now, right? Especially in the tactical community. It's like, oh man, I was... I was eating like shit for the past month because you know I was in the field or I was at Ranger school. How do I come back from this? And that's actually something I've done before in the past. I think like in 2017 I I did a I did a Facebook video talking about how do we recover from coming back from a selection event? Meaning not just from a physical and a cognitive standpoint, but how do we recover our gut from eating like shit the whole time and not eating all the time? Does it make sense to come back the first 3 weeks and just start eating pizza, burgers, ice cream and beer? No, because guess what's going to happen? Your body's going to go ahead and take all of that in and just store it because it's in a process of of store storage because of what just happened the past four weeks. Because, again, your body is a, your body's very used to habits and routine. If you get used to that, that's what it does. So maybe we come in and start eating a little bit different, right? We actually put in a little bit more greens. We put in a little bit more you know, healthier fats, healthier protein. We cut back on the processed carbohydrates and the high sugar carbohydrates. And we look at it from that standpoint to allow for us to go ahead and one, recover from the school phase. Two, get us ready for the fall on winter school phase. Three, it helps us recover and gets us gets us back to moving in the way we want to so that we can't perform. That's ultimately the idea there. You know, I don't know how many guys have seen come out of a school phase and gain 10 to 15 pounds. Because they eat like shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah well that that was kind of something again that we were we were talking about before this this sort of this kind of mixed messaging almost that, that people receive like like i knew you said your your experience was a little bit different in that people were streamed based on their bmi um but one of the one of the things i was i was kind of quite aware of was the whole way through our sort of basic training um and again from experience of, of, of working with other people who have gone through there's this big push to to get enough calories in to fuel all your expenditure and because your physicality is so high. And we know that that's, that's kind of a very real thing, but then that was kind of the end of the the educational message. You don't get told that at the end, when you're assigned to a, a desk job or an engineering job where you're sat down the bulk of the day, that you probably need to come back down from four or 5,000 calories. And, and it's that... Um, I, I guess this kind of, this overarches everything we talk about within this, this conscious warrior system. It's, it's providing enough information so that you can make those informed decisions. So like George was saying, if you decide that you want to go out with the boys or the girls and, and, and kind of have some, like have some wings and pizza and beer and stuff, that's fine. Definitely like go with that, but go with the understanding of, of like seeing where that fits into the big picture. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that's, that's kind of something that, I felt was was I mean, missed. Uh, well, so from, that's from the thing experience. is,
0: like, when we go ahead and look at nutrition for performance in the tactical community, when we go and look at these high level tier units, right, in the soft community, especially over with SOCOM, they have access to this stuff, right? And it's like, this isn't, we're not trying to have this reach those individuals. And if, if there's individuals that are working in that space and are taking what we're saying and adding it to them, great. But a lot of this comes down to just your everyday tactical professional who, it, it fixing, fixing the, the base of the, of the pyramid, pyramid, right? It's like, hey, look, to be to be high speed, you have to do the basics very well. That's the truth, right? I mean, I had I remember I remember when I was a corporal and we were getting ready for my second deployment, I had a I had a platoon sergeant come up to me and he goes, "Hey, do you know the definition of high speed?" and I was like, "Oh, uh, no." Like I don't I you know, cuz we we go by this idea of high speed, low drag, you know, and you think it's super cool. And he was like, to be high speed, you must be able to do the basics very well at a high speed. That's what high speed was. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. So again, when we come back to this idea of how is nutrition relevant to the tactical community, and we go ahead and look at it from a performance standpoint, we have to understand that, hey, look, if we can do these basic foundational things very well, it only makes us that much better. You now then become high speed by doing the basics very well. And that kind of leads you into the idea of like, well, what does it do for me from a physical, cognitive, and emotional standpoint, both as a profession and a human? Well, we know when we put in shitty food in our systems, our gut isn't able to produce the serotonin that it needs, right? And what does is, what is serotonin do for us? It's like, is that your, I was is that saying, your it's your happy, happy drug, right? And it's the same yeah. thing with dopamine, like that's why everyone talks about the gut is the second brain. Realistically, I call it the first brain because before before my brain gets any of the nutrients, in it, my gut does, and then from there it transfers up. So if I want to go ahead and have this high emotional intelligence, I want to have this high cognitive you know function, and I want to go ahead and physically perform at the level I can, well, then I have to understand that I got to go ahead and serve myself that way, meaning that I can't go and eat pizza every single fucking day. I eat pizza once a week. I love pizza. I fucking love it. It's my fat kid inside. I love ice cream. I love cookies. I love Rice Krispie treats. I love all the things that everyone else loves, but I've had to learn to develop a better relationship with myself so that I don't always consume them, and when I do consume them it doesn't hinder me too much. Meaning that my body knows how to break it down as fast That we talked about metabolic flexibility and it's used in the right manner.
1: Well, I was just going to say as well, again, it's, it's, a, it's an informed decision. It's something that you've, you've kind of, rather than like, oh, I'm starving, I'm just going to break the fridge and crush everything. You've, you've kind of made the decision that, like you were, you were saying off air, you've made the decision that if you're going to eat X, then tomorrow or next week yes. you will do Y. You know, there's a, it's kind of all part of a, a a kind of a longer term plan. That That's something we definitely see quite a lot within nutrition is someone will have like a, a bad day and suddenly all bets are off. Everything gets thrown out. Fuck it. I'm not going to eat healthy anymore. I'm just, it's not worth it. But we, we know that kind of the human physiology, particularly from a nutrition perspective, isn't that sensitive relatively over the short term, like over the, over the kind of the hours or the day. It's it's generally how it's it's treated fuel wise, if you like, over kind of the months and the years. Like it's the cumulative effect that's that's probably more of a um like a like more value, if you like. And it's it's that that we want to try and like George keeps talking about. We want to try and establish that healthy relationship with and and uh, and provide enough education so that you can you can you can can decide. And that's all it is, right? Is like
0: educating ourselves. And I had this this thought the other day because my, my, my youngest daughter, she's very, very in tune with how she wants to eat. She's only, she's going to be what she'll be two coming up in August. And last year when I went through my phase of eating just animal based products, meaning I, I cut out all vegetables. I'm not going to lie. Like I've talked about this before, but I just Mm. stuck to on animal based products. I even took out a little bit of berries. I took out a bunch of stuff except for animal based products. And what I noticed was like, I ha- I had the, you know, Savannah followed along with it and the baby did as well. And what I found was, Okay. Because we still try to give her like, you know, vegetables. And what was weird was like, she would put it in her mouth, taste it, and then put it to the side. But right away, go for the pro- like the meat, go for like the cheese or the yogurt, and then go for like the berries. Yeah. And that's all she wants. Okay. Does she eat, does she eat cheese its Does she eat, you know, those things, yeah, she's just a normal every kid like everyone else, but her foundational instinct for food is real food. And when I look at that, I'm like, that's the answer. That is the answer, is having the sensitivity mm. to know exactly how your body responds and reacts and what you actually really want, right? Like, that's ultimately it. Like, I, you know, the daughter sees red meat, and she's just like, well, I want it all, at, 20, at 22 months old. Red meat's her go-to, she loves it, she loves protein, she loves berries, she loves yogurt, she loves cheese. But she we've 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 kept as natural of a of an eating habit and instinct as possible because again, ultimately I'm in charge of how she's gonna go ahead and view food as she gets older. And I think that's the missing point here is the fact that like even as kids, I came up from a culture that didn't eat healthy. I wasn't educated because my parents weren't educated, pretty sure maybe same thing for you you came from that you know I know like we have Sunday dinners when you we know for our family and what does those Sunday dinners include lasagna made with everything else you got uh, and you can't say no to it, but your body is able to handle that when it does happen and you can get back to it. The next thing I want to go ahead and go into before we, we we close out this episode is understanding you we talked about keto type diets or high fat diets low carb diets for post-concussion, and TBI, and yeah, do we need some kind of medical you know, backing to come in here? And I think we, we can go ahead and say there's a lot of research already out there talking about how lowering the carbohydrate intake and increasing the fat intake and, and managing your protein intake helps with lowering inflammation, not just in the gut, but in the brain. And when I see with traumatic brain injuries is just an over-inflammation of the brain meaning there's too much, I think it's white matter, I think I, I think that's correct. I think there's too much white matter in the brain. I could be completely wrong and I, I hope I'm not talking out of my ass. Okay. But there's a, there's a type of inflammation and matter that comes built into your, in your brain over time from these post-concussions and TBIs. So, when we go ahead and reduce the amount of glycogen in the system, it then stops fueling those inflammation response in in the brain and starts to clear it up. I mean, there's research out there that's shown scans of the brain on someone who had TBI and then changed their diet and were able to see this change. And actually now starts to see more activity in certain parts of the brain which is really cool to understand. Now, is that a way to go ahead and eat all the time? And that I I cut out carbohydrates? Did I say that? No, but it's understanding the type of carbohydrate that you are eating. And I had to learn that firsthand as well last year. When I was like, you know, going through a really deep internal process for a few months last year, I had to change the way I I ate to, to, to fuel my system for what I was doing in that manner. It was a very spiritual, journey that I was on for the past four or five months. And it was one of those things where as I started taking out the processed carbohydrates and I started taking out those higher glycemic carbohydrates and just kept them on the low glycemic, but I started putting in healthier fats, avocados, nuts. Um, I'm sorry, not even nuts at that time period, avocados. I was putting avocados in because again, I believe avocados are one of the highest nutrient fucking foods that you can take. It's a superfood. So I never wanted to cut that out. So I left it in there, but utilizing butter and utilizing you know, duck fat, utilizing fat from, from from the meat, what I found was that I was able to think and react and manage my stress and be able to have logical base thought processes and reactions to the world around me by just changing the way I ate. And it re- and reduced TBI, yeah, it reduced TBI uh, symptoms, to be completely honest.
1: Mm. I, I was I was just going to say that it's it's like nutrition and again like a lot of the other pillars we've been discussing is something that the the kind of the ramifications or the effects can be huge. Like it shouldn't be underestimated. Like you were talking in episode one about kind of functional medicine and and, and taking that approach that that food could slash should be viewed as a as a medicine as a way of treating um, kind of complaints and, and medical issues. And I think I think you're bang on. I think there's a a lot to kind of be explored. And we'll do a, a Then talk. Maybe we'll do like well, a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we before we kind yeah. of rabbit hole it. But I think I think that's definitely something that, that people should kind of bear in bear in mind really when they're making decisions on on. Uh, yeah, and, 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 kind and of real
0: food. quick to you know what I want to just lay out there too. Understand that when we go ahead and put glycogen or glucose into the system, or however you want to look at it, when glycogen is developing, we put glucose into it. We get to understand that we're only feeding we're feeding the ATP stores. Right. That's the idea behind it. So when there's too much ATP in the system, what do we see happen over time? Well sorry. Well, so the idea go, go, behind go it is right when we go and I don't want to go too down this rabbit hole, but what I'm trying to say is that by cutting back the carbohydrates, we don't give the ability to increase ATP in the system. We've now we've now been able to manage it and by putting in higher fats, we've now began been able to get the system to be more oxidative instead of so much more carb dependent, which is from the ATP standpoint, which helps with lowering inflammation. And again, I could be talking out of my ass, but this is, again, something that I've found that has been really good through reading research and finding how that works. And again, we go back to looking at the cancer aspect, right? We've seen that happen in individuals where they're like, hey, let's cut back (laughs) this amount of of glucose or glycogen or carbohydrates because it's feeding the cancer cell. Well, what does the cancer cell feed off of? It feeds off of ATP. So if we can go ahead and cut back some of those carbohydrates and we just go ahead and increase the fats and the oxidation, the oxygen to the system, it then suffocates the cancer cell over time. It's the same idea here with okay. when I look at inflammation in the brain or the gut. When I reduce the carbohydrates in terms of the types of they are processed or high glycemic, I now lower that that threshold of 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 how my body utilizes ATP and and inflammation and I just now increased the the fat intake and now just became that much more oxygenated in my system to allow to go ahead and get rid of inflammation and get rid of and, and get rid of these 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 overuse um carb dependent diseases that we see.
1: Mm. Yeah, kind of, kinda of tying into what you're talking about before about being insulin resistant. Um, and, and seeing kind of elevated blood sugar levels. You know, that's all it is, like that's all, that. and that's
0: exactly what I'm talking about when I look at the sure. ATP, is like the ATP only increases that blood level of uh, of sugar in the system, is how I look at okay. that. And, and I could be completely wrong, but that's just how I view the two there in terms of how we can go ahead and mitigate inflammation in the gut and mitigate inflammation in the brain, especially if you're susceptible to, what is it? Um i i b itb or ibt um boom so I yep, yep. Algae, and then we go ahead and yeah, see yeah. tbis and those kinds of things right how do we get rid of some of those things well we got to cut back the carbohydrate intake increase some of the fat intake healthier foods and put real food in so again they don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole and again like i said if you guys made it this far into the, into, the, into the conversation, thank you. We're looking forward to the next episode. And again, guys, we're not doctors. We're not registered dietitians. We're literally going over this thing and looking at nutrition from how is this interconnected with the conscious warrior system and how do we develop a healthy relationship with food? And how do we go ahead and manage that? So until next time, thank you very much. See you guys later.